Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Our first guest is uh, Dr. Ife Williams. Uh, a lot of you read, read her column in the Seattle Medium newspaper every week. But Dr. Ife Williams, I want to just stop and say that the original press guy at uh, the Seattle Medium, Carl Anderson, passed away. I want to extend my condolences to Chris H. Bennett and family, Chris B. Bennett and, and family. Uh, uh, Carl was a dynamic individual. I just want to make sure that I put that out there first and foremost. He's very important to a lot of people's lives in Seattle. So, but Dr. Ife Williams, uh, I know you've been busy. It's Women's History Month. There's no way in the world on Urban Forum Northwest we could go in Women's History Month without talking to the national president, national president of the National Congress of Black Women out of Washington, D.C., Dr. Ife Williams, who also hosts her own program, uh, radio program uh, in Washington, D.C. I've had an opportunity to be on there once or twice, although I missed once or twice. <laughs> but, but I'm still looking forward to it. back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward. So uh, with all the things that's going on, I guess we got some real positive news coming out. Uh, this, uh, I guess the last time we talked, it was about, about January 6th. But uh, 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 President uh, Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and the Democrats have delivered what they said they would do. I'd like to have you comment on that. Well, I'm certainly pleased for the people who really need this help. They, they're, you know, doing the things that the people elected them to do. And with the move they made yesterday in terms of approving this fund, trying to uh, deal with child poverty, and just trying to help, you know, our families around the country who are just in dire need of just a little bit of help. I think they've succeeded. They're certainly above the 50% margin, and I'm really excited about that. That means that uh, the orange man is below all the presidents in terms of what the rating is for him uh, at this point. So I'm, I'm really excited, and I know that many more things are going to come. Uh, it's important for them to do what they're about to do, and that is go on the road and try to explain to people exactly what is there for them, as Mr. Gregory would say, in a language that my grandmother would understand, and it seems that they're eager to go out there and do that. And, it, you know, it has to do away with this feeling that, some of our pe uh, people over in the R column are now pretending that they voted to make it happen and, you know, have people out thanking them for doing it, when in fact not one single one of them helped the Democrats to get this done. You're, you're absolutely right, because I did see a news story, I guess, a senator out of Mississippi or a congressman Wicker, was talking yeah, about... Wicker. Yeah, about, oh, yeah, we're going to be able to help uh, small restaurants and stuff. And <laughs> he voted against helping small restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm just amazed at uh, how insensitive some of these folks seem to be. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they're talking about right now Donald Trump making another run. But mm -hmm. I, I heard another tape this morning from they're talking to one of the people in Georgia about turning the, the whole thing around. And then we got the two dynamic sisters, uh, uh, the uh, attorney and uh for Fulton County in Georgia, who's leading an investigation, I guess going to be filing charges, and uh, Attorney Letitia James, Attorney General of, uh, of New York State. Do you have any insight on any of those investigations, uh, Dr. Ife? Well, it seems that they're moving along. They have uh, selected counsel to work with them and some expert counsel to work with them. Of course, uh, Letitia in New York is, you know, expert on her own, but she's gathering her her team. They've been working all along on gathering the evidence. It's the sister down in New Jer uh, in um, Georgia that has now, I'm told, gotten the people who write the book on the kind of cases they're going to bring against Donald Trump. 
Well, that's that. Uh, and, and Dr. Ife, for some of the people who don't know much about the organization, uh, would you just go ahead and, and share with our listening audience, particularly since this is Sisters Sisters uh, Women's History Month? I said Sisters History Month. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we just came out of Black History Month, and uh, Mr. Gregory used to always say, "Yeah, they gave us the shortest month in in the year." Well, they did give the women uh, the the longest month in the year, one of the longest months in the year. So we went from black history to women's history. And we are really proud of the fact that the National Congress of Black Women has been around since 1984. In fact, at one time, we had a chapter in Seattle. I'm hoping that we can get one in that area again. We work for the benefit of black women and their children. Uh, We work on whatever. For instance, if there's a disaster in the area, like in Texas or Louisiana, or where they have hurricanes, you know, along the, the coast, North Carolina, South Carolina, etc. We're always willing to help them. We've even helped sisters in uh, the Bahamas and some other places because we believe it's important for us to help our sisters all over the world. We have a program called College for Kids where we look out for the interest of young children uh, from seven years old to nine years old, and what we do is teach them all the things that they can be in life so that everybody doesn't have to settle for being, um, you know, a dancer or a singer or something like that, uh, so that they're all listening to the Grammys with some of their uh, filthy music that they're going to have on this year. Their number one of, uh, person they're volunteering has a song about shooting up people and what have you. And these are the things we work to try to keep out uh, from our children so that they can be um, in, at a point where they want to be somebody special, to do a service to the community, to do something that's important. Uh, We also have uh, trips that we take young people on so that they can learn about historically black colleges, and we give scholarships in um, all of our chapters across the country. We do whatever is necessary. We don't just limit it to those things, but that's just a little... um, you know, spill, spill about what we do, and I'd like to refer people to our website to get more information. Uh, it's www.nationalcongressbw.org, National Congress BW, that BW is for black women, nationalcongressbw.org. And if all that fails, just give me a call. I'll be happy to tell you much more about the organization and what we're doing at 202-678-6788. That's 202 202- Six seven eight six seven eight eight. We even work with our sisters on the continent. Uh, you know when they need our help, <coughs> and uh, we're, we're not. You know we don't just say we just do this. We do whatever Black women need, and we can do it. Uh, we certainly get it done. We have chapters all across the country, from Texas to uh, Detroit, Michigan, all the way to the West Coast in California. We have four or five chapters on the West Coast, uh, and all up the the East here and down south. <coughs> so um, we hope that someone will call me and say that they're interested in putting together a chapter so that we can also be in your area. And I appreciate all the people who read my columns. I appreciate uh, the Seattle Medium. It's a wonderful newspaper. My friends often uh, let me know that they have read the articles from their paper. Yes, they're consistent. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, the, the politics. Let's go back to politics. But before I do that, I want to see if my co-host Haywood Evans has any questions or comments for you. Uh, Dr. Williams, first, I'm so glad that you're here with us, and especially in light of, of being Women's History Month. Well, thank you. They, I like to see a greater flo- focus on, on Black women, but that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit. You know, you are, you're a former professor of international law, 
And we've been looking at a goal. Do you see the federal government expanding that at all in terms of developing trade relationships, particularly for the African-American descendants of the enslaved? Are they going to add any teeth to that under the Biden administration? Well, we're certainly hope, hoping uh, he will, and he's indicated that that's what he's going to do. And the fact that he's appointed people like um, Marsha Fudge to be in housing and urban development, that seems a natural place that a woman would uh, be involved. Uh, we know that in the, um, the CARES bill that just passed, there is money there uh, to do that. And what we have to do as uh, black women is step up to the plate and make sure that we go to SBA, that we go to all these agencies, we go to HUD, we ask what kind of programs they have, and make sure that we listen carefully to Vice President um, uh, Harris and the president while they're going around the country over the next couple of weeks talking about what this money is for and making sure that they agree that some of that is going to be for minority women and not just other minorities, but black women, because many times when we stretch it out and we say women, then other women get a part of that money. It doesn't get us any close to parity then. Yeah, Dr. Williams, it seems like uh, the white women, I'll be straight, get most of the money. But, you know, in, in that respect, do you see the, the current or the new U.S. Justice Department enforcing Title VI? Because under number 45, it was just us getting left out. Absolutely. Um, I have um, the utmost, um, um, you know, uh, confidence in Judge uh, Garland Merrick, um, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to happen. But again, it doesn't just happen. We have to be there. Organizations like ours have to be at the table insisting that, uh, you know, people are treated fairly. So I'm sure we will be there along with uh, many other organizations. There are several other uh, black women's organizations that we work with from time to time on many things. And one of the first things we have to deal with, of course, is working on voter suppression and uh, voting rights because we know what so many states across the country are trying to do to prevent our strong vote that we've been showing for many years. Black women always have had, uh, in, in recent years, the highest number of votes for people that we know will help us. But again, no politician helps you if you're not there making sure that you remind them of their promises, that you have voted for them, and that you know you are, you are depending upon them to do it, and you're going to be watching everything that they do. We also have to learn that even if it's a small amount, we have to donate to politicians so that they can remember us, because that's how they remember best. Uh, during the last presidential election, several of my friends and I uh, had what we called the Biden-Harris campaign fund, and we raised money. We did it collectively, and that's okay. It's more impressive if you do it collectively because it's a larger amount of money. Some people, you know, send in their $25 or their 50 and that helps. But when you do it collectively, I think candidates know that you are serious about getting some of the results of what you're voting for. The, the, Dr. Ife, in terms of uh, uh, the, the elections that's coming up, and, and let's look at right now what Donald Trump is doing. Mm -hmm. He is having all the money that's going to be donated to Republicans. He's advising folks to send it to him. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think there's going to be enough fracture in the Republican Party with uh, moderates and sensible Republicans that uh, they'll peel off and uh, we'll do even better, the de Democrats will do even better in 2022? 
Well, only uh, <laughs> only if they decide that they're going to not approve of that. I mean, can, how, can you imagine somebody who has, quote, led your party for the last four years, and they, they're telling people not to donate to you? And that's because he wants the control. He wants control. So these politicians will have no control over their campaigns if all the money is going to Donald Trump. And we're going to get the same old thing that we got over the last four years. Right now, it's as bad as it's ever been. When you look at the fact that not one single Republican voted to help people, that's something the Democrats have to continue to point out as they go across this country, remind all of these people how they got the help that they need now. And if we don't do that, then we might allow, unfortunately, Donald Trump to get back in office. But right now, we're hoping that these attorneys general will deal with him so that he won't even have the opportunity to come back since, you know, the Republicans didn't have the, the sense enough to vote to keep him from running for office again. So it's, it's left up to the Republicans. I think they're going to have a more challenging time than they had now, but then that means we just have to be more challenging, more determined in what we're doing, especially when it comes to preventing them from passing all of these terrible acts to prevent people from voting on Sunday or to be able to, you know, uh, uh, vote a long, long time before the election occurs, and to have write-in votes and that kind of thing. They're trying every trick in the book to suppress our vote. And if our vote were not important, they wouldn't be trying to do that. So we have to understand that. Well, after Georgia, I'm sure they were getting halfway smart. And then I really think that some of the folks that pick seats up because of they're saying Black Lives Matter, but after January 6th, uh, to overthrow on the date that the electoral uh, votes were being counted to certify mm -hmm. the U.S. president, I mean, that's the most egregious. That it was insurrection. It was traitor. It was a, they were traitors. They were seditionists. But uh, they were able to get out on PR. They were able to go to Mexico for the vacation, and the judges let them go home. And, uh, to, you know, that that's the ultimate... Uh, that's why privilege all the way. I mean, and when you can try to overthrow the government. People have to understand some of those people are in the Capitol. They're in the Congress. They're in the, the U.S. Senate. They should know that. And if this is the kind of world they want, then, you know, God help us, because certainly there are still people in, in charge of making laws for us who were responsible and who were helpful to the people who tore up the Capitol that day and threatened to kill people. In fact, yesterday I, I read that there was one person who actually insinuated that he was ready to kill uh, someone, you know, in the Congress uh, over gun control. You know, so the, the, the people have, these people have gone absolutely insane. They're already crazy. Let's move it on over to insane now when they try to block every good thing and then turn around and try to take credit for having done something to help these people. We have to, you know, be, be more aggressive. Don't just depend upon current Democrats. We have to talk to those Republicans and try to make sense with some of them about where the good things that are happening are coming from and remind them that they didn't get these things. Now, they can, you know, hate me if they want. That's okay. They can hate you. But they, I think most of them want their children to have good schools. They want their children to be able to have uh, opportunities and what have you, like the, what President Biden has already done in his first few days. We have to just keep talking with them about it. We don't have to yell and scream. But, yeah. you know, we have to we've been joined by Councilman Holly. And I wanted okay. you to meet him. We've been joined by Councilman Zahali. I wanted you to say hello to him before you depart. Uh, I'm okay. sure he'll be coming back to D.C. once the COVID leaves. Councilman Zahali, are you on the line? 
Yes, sir. I'm here, Mr. Rye. Okay. Oh, uh, wonderful. I'm, I'm always happy to meet uh, some of Mr. Rye's friends because Mr. Rye is such a wonderful person. He comes to our events back here in Washington every year. And we, we missed him this last year because of COVID. But we'll certainly look forward to having you, and perhaps uh, Mr. Rye will bring you to one of our events when you're back here. But if not, call on us. We in the uh, Congress, National Congress of Black Women are about helping people. We certainly help our brothers and sisters uh, who are doing the right thing when they come back to Washington. So call on us. Okay, I'll make Absolutely. sure that Councilman Holly has your information, Dr. Mm -hmm. And she also, uh, matter of fact, the Councilman's on the front page of Seattle Medium recently. I think you were in the same. She has a, a regular columnist uh, in the Seattle Medium, uh, syndicated columnist, Councilman. And I just okay. want you to meet her. So when you get ready to get some some power on the way from, from D.C., you'll know who to call. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Ben. And I look forward to coming back to Seattle. I haven't been there for a long time. Okay, we want you back here in Martin Luther King, Jr. County. So we'll be waiting for you. All right. Take care. Okay, and take care, much, Dr. Mr. Mr. Councilman. Okay. Thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, Councilman Zahali, how you doing? And uh, uh, why don't you uh, let our listeners know uh, boy, how you guys are functioning with this COVID-19 and working remotely. Uh, I know you guys are getting things done, so how's everything going? First of all, can you hear me, Mr. Ross? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, w our county is still struggling. People are still losing their jobs. People, small businesses are still struggling, but I think the darkest days are behind us. Uh, the rate of COVID-19 spread is uh, down a lot from its peak back in the holiday season in November and December. And what, from what we're hearing from our president, we're going to have enough vaccines for every single American uh, by the end of May. That's what our what Joe, President Biden has informed us and at King County in Seattle, we're working to set up locations that can do mass vaccinations on, on a wide scale. Uh, the King County Executive and Mayor Durkin just announced yesterday that Seahawks Stadium is going to be one of the biggest COVID-19 vaccine locations in the country. It's going to be able to serve up to 22,000 people every single day. So we're preparing the infrastructure for when the, uh, when the high volume of tests and and uh vaccines i mean come our way in these next couple of months well that's some real good news for a lot of people i've been fortunate enough to get get both of my shots my co-host is haywood evans i wanted to see if he had a question or comment for you councilman you know councilman zahali first thank you for being here you know just reading some of your accomplishments i'm very very proud of you and what you've done oh thank you so much sir thank you so uh, much i really that means a lot to me Oh, for Skyway, the development. I was, uh, Eddie and I, in fact, we just spoke at the, what is it, Eddie, the uh, Washington State African Coalition of, uh, Empowerment uh, Conference. And all they did was talk about you and all the positive things you've done. And, and I oh, know man, I'm, I'm, I'm blushing out here, sir. Don't make me blush too much now. No, no, go on, blush. You know, we're going to be reaching out to you in the very near future. We're, we're organizing a... Uh, in African-American, I think it's the first time in the history of the state, a Washington State African-American trade mission to uh, to the Dubai World's Fair to specifically meet with the African Union and uh, the African exhibitors to see what type of B2B relationships we could develop and get some of these businesses and products out of King County, Martin Luther King County over there. 
But I was going to ask you, have you had a chance now yet That's to uh, tour? Have you had a chance to tour the uh, um, the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority McKinney Center? I haven't had a chance to tour it, but I just attended the board meeting just last night for the first time. And I got to spend about 30 minutes with the board of directors uh, before having had to hop off for another meeting. So it was a great introduction to, to the work that you all are doing. Well, I know for a fact we want to get you there and, and have you embrace it because we think it's so important, particularly for the African-American descendants of the enslaved here, that, that we have something concrete, but we're working with our new African-American brothers and sisters. Uh, see us come together. But can you say what your priorities are now, given the fact that things are moving forward and, and hopefully, God willing, by June, this virus will sort of be behind us a little bit? Yes, sir. The top priority has to be the virus and making sure that our communities get vaccinated and are safe and protected. After that, it's making sure that we have a recovery of our economy, making sure that people have jobs and their small businesses are alive and that uh, the economic impacts uh, don't harm us in terms of increase in violence and increase in unemployment and increase in homelessness. So um, that will also mean a big investment in housing and land ownership and wealth creation for our communities. I also have a really uh, huge priority in terms of criminal justice reform. We passed some really important uh, reforms this past year to our King County Sheriff's Office, and so I'll be working on a lot of those changes along with community input and feedback. You know, it's interesting you say that, uh, Councilmember Zahali. I was just thinking back in uh, 2016, uh, we uh, they had money uh, uh, to train deputies to use a chokehold, and a lot of us went down, Bobby Alexander, uh, Gerald Hankerson, Reverend Harriet Walden, uh, Reverend R Ricky Willis, and several other people, James Williams, several other people went down to the county. We were able to uh, have them defund the training. And then later that month uh, at uh, Foster High School, uh, I think it was what the sheriff announced that they would not drop, use the Seattle, uh, the Kane County Sheriff from using the chokehold. But it's my understanding, Kent and Bellevue still use the chokehold. So I'm glad to hear that you're moving on that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for your work, Mr. Rye. That's really important. We have to make sure that we don't have excessive use of force being used on our communities. So what are, you, what are your other priorities that, that you're working on right now? I know the COVID is the most important thing. Yeah. And I just really, I'm still kind of amazed on how you guys are able to function remotely. And do you ever see uh, uh, business going back to being as usual where you have people just down, because downtown is like a ghost town. But do you ever see uh, people being going back to those buildings because some people are saying folks are more productive from working from home. I think some people will definitely go back, but COVID has showed us how much can be done virtually. I'll give you one example. For a long time, our King County Council meetings used to require the public to drive all the way downtown, find parking, take time off of work, pay for parking, just to come and tell their council members what is going on in their communities and what community priorities are. Now we're seeing that if we have a virtual option, if we have call-in option and people can share their voice with us in those channels, we have so much more public participation because of those options. So in some ways, these virtual options are going to be permanent and expanded uh, because we want to give people the option to not have to inconvenience themselves and take time off of work just to participate in their local government. 
So uh, some people will go back downtown, uh, but I think this virtual option should stick around for as long as possible. I agree with that because a lot of people who are marginalized and have other uh, travel restrictions and also it costs 25 bucks to park downtown for two hours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And of course, that also means we have to fight for what they call digital equity making sure that all of our communities have access to internet, access to phone, access to technology, because we can't have a society that's becoming virtual and the people who need it most can't access government because they don't have virtual options. It's a good thing you mentioned that, Councilman, because we have formed the MLK Gandhi Empowered Initiative with some uh, Indian brothers and sisters who are in the technology field right now. And uh, they've made a commitment based on the fact they said that a lot of them couldn't get in the, co- the country had not been for Dr. King and the civil rights movement. As you know, Dr. King emulated Mahatma Gandhi's uh, nonviolent approach to liberate and get the Indian Independence Act. So some people talk about, well, you know, he's a South African. He did this. He disrespected women. All I know is being an African-American in 1964, I finally got my rights because of Dr. King emulating Mahatma Gandhi. But we do have a... Uh, and I'll send you the information on uh, the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative because we will be reaching yes, out to local governments and everybody else because uh, we uh, they have we have a projection of trying to train 400 this year in 2000 and 2022, and these jobs pay a lot of money. As a matter of fact, there's about 15 different positions right now that folks are being looked at. Some senior positions at Amazon, more like logistics people who have been in the airline industry. Who, who worked in logistics in the airline industry. Uh, Amazon is looking for those people. Then Microsoft has a program uh, where they're looking for 15 people. But I'll share this information with you because you're absolutely right. Thank you. We have got to be empowered. And we also have to demand, like you're saying, to make sure that all communities have equal access to the, te- the digital technology and to the inter- internet. So I want to see absolutely. if there's any other comments you'd like to make before we go to Hayward for another question or comment. Um, not on that topic, but I'm happy to continue talking about other priorities. Okay, yeah. well, go, go right ahead. Yeah, Zahir, I just want to plant the seed. You know, we have to do something about the bail bonding system here. It truly discriminates against people of color and the poor. Just want to plant that seed. I don't know if they're looking at yes, options to get rid of it, but it's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But on that note as well, or on another note, I am going to send you also, because Eddie and I are working on multiple projects, as you know, April 4th, you know, we have the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King program coming up on April 4th, Easter. But uh, I'm going to send you information regarding the um, Washington State African-American Trade Mission, because we really think you should be a part of that delegation. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Hayward. I, I would love to. Um, I, I, I think Mr. Rye has contact uh, information of my staff, Chandler, who can help me uh, track the um, the meetings and any other requests that I can join. Yeah, Chandler's been most helpful. I must give him a lot of credit. <laughs> he has really been Johnny yes, on sir. the spot. We appreciate it. But before we go, I just yes. want to see if there are any other comments you like. And then another thing, too, sir, we'd like to have you on at least monthly, if not quarterly. If, if it's on my schedule, I'm joining. So okay, <laughs> whatever, whatever channel is on my I'm calendar, with, I'm, I'm there. I'm going to get with Mr. Aaron Sherman and get some Thursdays uh, uh, clicked off. So, But thank you for your time today. And I was, wanted you to meet Dr. Ife Williams uh, so that you'll know you have a friend uh, back in D.C. if you're trying to get something done because they're all over the place. And she is a lady with a great deal of influence, uh, both on the, on the radio, the newsprint, and in person. So. 
So thank you very much, sir, and we look forward to talking to you on a, a regular basis. Thank you for your time, sir. Great to see you, Mr. Hayward, and um, I appreciate you all getting information out to our communities. Thank you. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest. And our next guest, uh, we're talking about Women's History Month. This is a very distinguished woman who uh, shattered glass ceilings all throughout the Seattle, Martin Luther King Jr. County area and Washington State. Uh, if my memory serves me right, Dr. Rosalind Woodhouse was the first female executive director of the Central Area Motivation Program, the first president C- female president and CEO of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. I think she gave it the name. And uh, she also left there and had a distinguished career with the uh, state appointed by Governor Dixie D. Ray to be the director of the licenses. And I saw a little later that she was also a professor at Seattle Pacific University. My former boss at camp, Dr. Rosalind Woodhouse, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Eddie. How are you? All right. And my co-host is Hayward Evans, and he's a former executive director of camp. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hi, Hayward. How are you? So very, very good, Dr. Roz. It's good hearing your voice. It's been a while. I think it's fantastic you're on. Thank you for being here. Yeah, uh, are you on, on a, a speakerphone or have a headset? I am on um, just my cell phone. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, we're coming through. Out? Okay, now you're, you're, coming, you're coming through. But what I wanted you to do is just take a couple of minutes 
and share some of uh, your illustrious career with our listeners that don't know who Dr. R.Y. Woodhouse is and just take them back uh, through memory lane. Actually, it'll be a few chapters of your book, but why don't you just share with our listeners some of your accomplishments? Oh, my goodness. I always say that I've had a uh, really sort of a tattered career, kind of like a puzzle, because uh, I have done so many different things, but many of them happen to be uh, first in in the field, either the first African-American or the first woman or both. And uh, right out of... Uh, graduate school, I became the uh, executive director of what was formerly known as CAMP, and uh, that's when Eddie and I met, and we worked together there. He had a, a program at CAMP that he might want to mention later on, and from CAMP, I went to Edmonds Community College to begin a uh, program in social service education and establish the first volunteer administration uh, certificate program in the nation. And from there, I went to Rainier Bank, where I was vice president for uh, employee relations and responsible for their 5,500 uh, employees uh, deployed globally. And uh, from there, then I went to the Urban League, and I was at the Urban League as executive and CEO for 15 years, from 1984 to 1998. And we did a lot of really revolutionary uh, kinds of things, including uh, pregnancy prevention programs. Black Arts West was a part of camp at the time. We did a lot of uh, <clears throat> advocacy work as well. Then uh, left camp in 99 and was invited to join the staff of Lutheran Community Services, where I was for six years uh, to 2005. In 2007, I was asked to go to Anchorage, Alaska to start the uh, Alaska Urban League. And I returned from Alaska in 2012. And since then, I've been doing a lot of consulting in the areas of grant writing and community and organizational development. That's about it. <laughs> One of the most important things is that when you were a CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, you bought the building. That's right. That's absolutely right. And we were able to maintain a 100% occupancy rate during the entire 15 years that I was there. We uh, rented and leased the space that we did not use for the 
Urban League, and we never had a uh, vacancy in the space. <laughs> and what about your tenure at, uh, at, at, at Seattle Pacific University? It says you're a professor there as well. That is so interesting. I meant to be sure to let you know that somehow that I mean, that is incorrect. Not Seattle Pacific University. I have taught at, uh, it's called Seattle College now. It was Seattle Community College then. Oh, and okay. also the last several years in Alaska, I was at the University of Alaska where I taught. Okay. I want to see if my uh, co-host Haywood Evans has any questions or comments for you, Dr. Woodhouse. Uh, Dr. Woodhouse, it's great just having you back here. Uh, I guess my comment, I'm going I'm to ask you about Alaska. How was it up there? <laughs> Actually, it was really very, very good. It was, it was good, surprisingly. And it wasn't as cold as people think it is. Now, you have to remember that Alaska is a very, very big state. So there's about six different uh, climate areas in the state. Anchorage itself is uh, southwest Alaska. And the weather is like Chicago. And I am from Detroit, so it was pretty familiar to me. The uh, difference, of course, is the uh, sunlight. It doesn't stay uh, light that long in Chicago, but uh, <clears throat> in the summer, it does stay light almost 24 hours, not quite 24 in Anchorage. And then in the winter, it is dark. But they make up for it with so many different activities and things to do, and you can just really get involved in uh, community activities or whatever kinds of interests that you may have. You know, I was going to—I just want to give a shout out to your husband. For those who don't know, you were married to the great jazz legend uh, Woody Woodhouse. So, <laughs> a shout out to him. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Now, were there, so are there much. are there black folks up there in Alaska at the university? There are, there are black people in Alaska. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and uh, there's a very, very um, staunch black community in Alaska. And most of the organizations that people would be familiar with, fraternal organizations and other community service organizations and all, have uh, a presence or chapters in uh, Alaska. Now, at the University of Washington, you compiled a lot of documentation as it relates to, uh, to a, the history of Marriott of everything. How can people access that? That information, um, they asked for my papers to be uh, placed in the archives at the uh, university. And uh, the papers are in special collections at the University of Washington Library. 
and contact them, and they can direct you to them. There's a lot of a lot of history in those papers, and a lot of background information on how things actually came to be, how things actually got done. Uh, a lot of things that were not in the headlines. So. Uh, Special collections at the University of Washington Library. So, when, you know, uh, Hayward, when uh, I was director of the Educational Talent Service Program, and Dr. Woodhouse was my boss as the executive director of CAMP, we were a delegate agency of CAMP. Uh, I chaired the House Central Seattle Community Council Housing Federation's Housing Committee, and that's when we dropped the first report on redlining back yeah. in those days. And then I also represented CAMP on the Model Cities Advisory Board. And uh, we uh, kept most of the money in the in the community because they had plans to move it downtown. So we did have a little, some high profile conflicts, but Dr. Woodhouse was right right there all the time. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And so many of the things that we uh, take for granted today had their uh, had their roots and their beginnings. Uh, during those times and during those organizations that were really determined to be the voice of the community. So now when's your book coming out, The Autobiography of Dr. Rosalind Woodhouse? <laughs> Eddie, you always ask me that. <laughs> Actually, I am working on something. We don't know. I don't have anything specific to give you today, but I am working on something. Dr. Woodhouse, we've been enjoyed by we've been joined by the current CEO and president of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, uh, Michelle Merriweather. Michelle Merriweather, are you online? I am here. How are you doing? Okay. Hayward Evans, uh, my co-host, and Dr. Rosalind Woodhouse, the uh, CEO at the Urban League that bought the building back in the day. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, this is a person that's full of wisdom, Michelle. So Dr. Woodhouse, yes. Michelle Merriweather, want y'all to meet each other. It's an honor to hear your voice. How are you? I am good, Michelle. How are you? I understand you're doing a stellar job. Thank you. I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing what I can to, to make you proud, to make uh, Eddie Rye proud, every, all of you that have paved the way for me to be here. Well, it's so fascinating that you're having to fight many of the same battles that we had to fight. And I just ask uh, you and the audience, I ask the audience to support you in the uh, efforts that you are making because there's been some little, some little backsliding, let's put it that way, in some of the uh, projects and uh, profiles that we we're working on so we have to rebuild and we will we will we will you know um, because you all fought these battles um, although we are fighting many of the same ones we have the playbook because you guys you guys set the tone so uh, we we know we know how to do this we know how to do this oh, fantastic I'm just so pleased at uh, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. 
Dr. Rosal, I sure want to thank you for, for taking time out today and sharing some of that history with our listeners. Uh, let them know that we've always ate them out. Sisters, we've always had bad sisters on the move in, around here. <laughs> and you exemplify that. Actually, in Seattle, we definitely have. We definitely, there's just been a, a string of sisters that have been uh, pecking at that glass ceiling, and several of us have actually broken it. I said shattered. <laughs> okay, I'll go. I, I I'll go with shattered. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, thank you very much, Doctor Woodhouse. We certainly appreciate your time today, and we're gonna to talk to you, the the current president and CEO of the Urban League Metropolitan Seattle and see what they're doing to serve the people during this COVID nineteen pandemic. So thank you very much, and I'll stay in touch with you, and I'll make sure you stay in touch with uh, what we're doing as well. Fantastic. I'd appreciate that. And I just got my uh, second COVID shot. So I urge everyone to get their uh, get their shots. Yes. Well, I got my son. I'm going on five weeks with my second one. So I should be pretty good to go. But I'm not taking oh, any chances. Yeah. No chances. Yeah. Mask everywhere. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. All right, then, Dr. Rouse. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, Miss Michelle Merriweather, why don't you uh, give our listeners an update on uh, how you guys are helping and how can they get help? A lot of people still looking for help because the checks haven't hit the mail yet. Right, right. We're we're glad to hear that the the president signed the relief bill and um, it is put in, in effect. So hopefully those checks will be in the mail. But I'll I will tell you, and hopefully we will have more rental assistance uh, coming down the pipe soon. Um, but what are we doing now? Uh, well, when we had the, the CARES Act funds, we, we, we rerouted almost $4 million back to the community in re rental assistance, so we're really proud of that. Although I still don't think that that is enough, and we still, you know, don't know how many folks will uh, be affected in the long run uh, whenever uh, the moratorium is lifted, but we have been doing our best to make sure that folks' rent is, our rents are paid. Um, we have also been partnering with PacMed and getting people tested whenever we can, and we're moving now to uh, partnering with the city and others to get, uh, get folks vaccinated uh, because that is the best chance we have to getting past COVID and getting through COVID is folks getting vaccinated. So this Saturday we'll be down at Lumen Field vaccinating our people and re and we are registering our people um, either at Lumen Field and um, other places to get vaccinated. So if, if you are looking for uh, support or help in getting vaccinated and you fall in phase one, uh, phase two, tier one right now, um, give us a call at the office and we will support you there. But even what is that location the, uh, again? They got a uh, new Lumen name. Field, the former uh, CenturyLink um, okay. It's got a new name now. <laughs> yeah, because since there's been no sporting activities, people might not remember the name because they haven't had right, any events exactly. going on. So that's why I wanted to make sure you. It's oh yeah, CenturyLink. I know where that is. Okay. Yeah, the former CenturyLink field. That you know, we'll, we'll probably still call it CenturyLink for a while, but it's moving now, yeah. and uh, it is the city's largest effort thus far to get folks vaccinated, and we want to make sure Black folks in particular. Um, 
are, are have the opportunity and access. You know, many of us um, lack internet access, and a lot of the things uh, needed are, have to be done online. But we are, if you call us as an office and need to need assistance and need transportation and getting down there, we're uh, we're here to help. Okay. I want to see if my co-host Haywood Evans has any comments or questions. Dr. Merriweather, <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> uh, Michelle, you know, I just want, because we all know about the housing project, homeless outreach, and, and uh, the home ownership things that you do. Can you share with our listening audience about the Black Voices Project, which I think is absolutely great, and also uh, about the Black Business Directory? Yes, yes. So we're doing a few things. Um, when, well, number one, um, when uh, Dr. Woodhouse was mentioning women leading the way in, in Seattle, I have to say that we have a brilliant group of young leaders um, at the Urban League that uh, just find an idea, and I, you know, I encourage them to, you know, think outside of the box and think of the things that they want to do, and we'll find a way to make it happen. And Black Voices was one of them. Um, they wanted uh, to start a book club to, to one, educate, inspire, uh, and uplift uh, Black authors, and they have been doing that, and it has been beautiful to see. We have uh, quite a number of people that have joined, and if you are interested in joining that book club, often if you don't have access to the book, our team will send it to you, uh, and then we, we read it and we discuss it and we, um, you know, take some um, – some action after that. So they read one book, uh, I believe it's once a month, uh, give or take, depending on the book. And uh, it's been awesome. I, one thing I can't wait for is when we are all able to gather in person again and have those um, in person. And then the other thing um, we are doing, uh, our education department, which is, has been amazing all throughout um, the pandemic from day one of the shutdown, they we're trying to figure out ways to connect uh, our young people to internet and, and computers and all of that. We took computers in our office, I want to say, like the second day of school shutting down and they distributed them to uh, many of our young people in our program. But what they have done uh, most recently is connected our young people that um, had an interest in uh, web development and gave them additional tools and practice and, uh, and trained them on creating websites for our Black-owned businesses that have not had the opportunity of having a web presence. And uh, what we have learned across the state, about 65 um, Black-owned businesses have perished altogether uh, since COVID and were not allowed to stay in business. And a lot of that is because they could not access their people, right? And so um, what this program is enabling our Black-owned businesses to do is to connect with their followers and patrons and clients and customers via the Internet. And our young people are uh, creating those websites for them. And it's, it's pretty it's beautiful to see. And we are um, in the process of starting the next round uh, which is also exciting you know, to see. We're just about out of time. Could you give, uh, give your contact information to our listeners that want to get to pursue that uh, gaining information you're putting forth? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, our website is urbanleague.org, 
And our phone number at the office is 206-461-3792. I'll say that again, um, 206-461-3792, or info at urbanleague.org. Okay, Michelle Merriweather, thank you very much. And we'll put that up on uh, on uh, the Urban Forum Northwest uh, site as well. As you know, the programs are archived for a year, so people can hear you whenever they want to. So thank you very much, and keep up the good work, and we will be in touch. Absolutely. I'm grateful for you both. Take care. Okay, thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break before we come back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Okay. Hey, whatever is Lady Rice saying goodbye. I'll talk to you again next Thursday. I want to thank our friends and supporters, uh, the, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Sound Transit's uh, Labor Relations and Civil Rights Office, uh, Port of, uh, the uh, City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office, Contact uh, Concourse Concessions out of SeaTac, uh, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Ife Williams of National Congress of Black Women. Uh, Councilman Gurmay Sahali of King County Council, Dr. Rosalyn Woodhouse, and Michelle Merriweather, President and CEO of the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. Talk to you again next Thursday. Be safe.